joined a new running club and I remember introducing myself and they wanted to know what one of my goals was. And I said, uh, I hope to maybe, uh, hopefully qualify for the Boston marathon this year. And I felt like such a fraud saying that because I was like, who do I think I am that I could qualify for Boston? And I did it that year. This is episode five with Kate Gunderson. Caitlin Gunderson is a mechanical and aerospace engineer currently attending the National Test Pilot School in Mojave, California through a flight test engineering fellowship. To pursue this opportunity, Kate left her dream job at NASA's Johnson Space Center, where she worked as an engineer and NASA's youngest flight science officer aircrew member, supporting various astronaut training activities and airborne science missions flown all over the world. Kate holds a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from the Rochester Institute of Technology and a master's in aerospace engineering specializing in structures from Georgia Tech. Outside of engineering, Kate is a fitness enthusiast and Boston qualifying marathon runner. Our recording starts now. Thank you so much for being here, Kate. It is so exciting. I absolutely love this topic and your job is so incredibly cool. Um, thank you so much for giving me your time this morning. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy to do it and I uh, can't wait. <laughs> so um, I kind of officially introduced you with your bio, but I would love for you to tell me something about yourself that someone wouldn't necessarily know by just reading your bio, um, like in a sentence, something either quirky or interesting or um, something that is very, very you. Oh, gosh. Well, I was immediately going to tell you about how I applied to like 15, I applied to the NASA internship, like to 15 different opportunities and was um, not denied, but like I never heard back on any of them um, before I got my official like pathways internship and that's so so was, no no that's yeah. still really important to know because here i am kind of like introducing as you as someone that flies on all these cool missions across the world um and you get to interact with astronauts and you want to become one but it's so important to recognize that you had applied a bunch of times didn't get it a bunch of times but we're still here <laughs> yeah exactly and i think it's really important that it doesn't we don't appear as though we're these perfect people who everything fell into place so easily because I think everyone has their struggles and um, background story that maybe everybody doesn't see that <clears throat> um, kind of the challenges that you overcome to get to where you are. So yeah, absolutely. Like share that. <laughs> um, and so I kind of wanted to unpack um, really, so we know that you're in aerospace and you did, um, mechanical and then aerospace with the focus on structures. But I was curious about the specific way in which you wanted your work in STEM to make a difference in the world. Well, that for me all started when, um, because I went into engineering not really knowing what engineers did, but I also didn't grow up knowing that or understanding that there was this gender disparity or um, just this big disparity in STEM between um, the percentages of men and women in STEM and in STEM fields. And so I went into it blindly having my, I mean, my parents were so supportive. I had no idea that I might be treated differently. And so I went into it not knowing that, you know, there would be very few females. And so I had a, somewhat of a hard time making female friends because um, there just weren't that many of us. And um, 
and then I'm also super bubbly and outgoing and maybe that's not like your stereotypical engineer and so I just wanted to create the sense of community after going through all of it that I didn't feel like I had the whole time. I mean, I, there were people obviously there that supported me and, and that uh, really helped me, but I didn't have like this huge network of women that I saw succeeding and that I could really could help me see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I wanted to use my experience to kind of make things better for other people. I love that. And <laughs> My specific question in unpacking that is how has your, um, how has your combination of degrees and then um, internships and now finally your full-time position kind of helped you achieve that um, really in creating that community in those spaces? Like, Okay, I think I get where you're getting at. Um, you know, honestly, the internships that I did as an undergrad really changed my life and that's why I'm such an advocate for them because um I think like the workforce is at least for me has been a lot yeah there's still this disparity but it was a lot more representative of what you should expect like there were women succeeding and in high leadership roles my boss is a woman and um I just saw exactly what I wanted to in terms of like people I could look up to that were successful and that I could see myself in. And um, there's obviously still work to do for sure. But um, I just they think that the behavior for what? you, they modeled the right kind of behavior for you to be able to kind of recreate that as you leveled up in your career. Yeah, for sure. And they weren't, um, they weren't uh, like in competition with me. I felt like they were always willing to mentor me or help me. Um, and so that was really reassuring. And did you feel like, did you feel the same way um, at, in Rochester um, and at Georgia Tech? Or was that, was there a lack of that there specifically? Or was one school better than the other at like creating that community? Um, I specifically went to Georgia Tech in, in one way. I mean, it's a great, incredibly great school. But in one way, I sought them out because they had like the highest percentage of women in engineering of any school in the country. And so I was super impressed by that. Um, and RIT um, did have a women in engineering um, group specifically aimed at like creating that community. But I just didn't feel it the same way. Like I, I don't know if it was a matter of just in grad school. Um, the professors understood that you were intelligent <laughs> by the time you got there, or if it was just that RIT, I don't want to bash, but they didn't do as great of a job. I did have a female advisor though at RIT that I can't say enough great things about because she honestly, there were several people there, including men who um, really ended up being mentors for me that really encouraged me and were there for me anytime I had uh, a complaint or a struggle. And, um, so, I mean, there were people at, at everything, but um, Georgia Tech was incredible, for, in my opinion. <laughs> that. I love that. Um, and so I was really happy unpacking kind of like that first question. And so I'd love to jump in to the specific topic at hand, which um, today is endurance. And I wanted to first begin with endurance when it comes to running marathons. And I love introducing you as you know, someone in STEM, someone at NASA, someone aspiring to be an astronaut, and then taking a left turn, <laughs> going into this whole other um, side of you. But um, I would love if you could first tell me a little bit about 
qualifying for Boston while you were full-time at NASA and then you're part-time full content creator. Um, so I was curious what sort of schedule you followed to um, really make sure you could qualify and, and really show up for all of the things in your life. Yeah, for sure. So I didn't start out as a runner. Uh, <laughs> I kind of started running when I, I was in ROTC for a little while in undergrad, and I sort of started running, but I didn't really start big time running until I was, I think it was grad school. And it really became this place for me to go and escape from all the stress and anxiety that school can cause. At Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a reason they say uh, I got out because um, it just it's it's hard and it's good that's hard because the things worth having in life are hard, um, which kind of goes into running too. Um, I enjoy the challenge of um, doing things that are hard and the sense of accomplishment after you do that. Um, but I really started running in grad school and um, I always 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 um, get my run in first thing in the morning because if I don't, it just ruins my day. <laughs> So, yeah. um, did you run I this did. morning? I did, which is one okay, of my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got up at 445. Um, I'm kind of crazy that way. Like, I didn't ever think of myself as a morning person. And then somebody, I lived with somebody in grad school, and she was like, You're really a morning person. And I started thinking, You know, I, I have become a morning person, but I like it that way. I feel like it rejuvenates me. And, um, anyway, I don't know if I'm really answering a question. I'm kind of getting off on a tangent, but, um, I really enjoy the discipline it requires and it is time consuming. So the way I just make sure I fit it in is I do it first thing in the morning. Then if, I mean, there were times before I started doing that where people would have happy hours or, Hey, want to do this after work or want to, can you help me with this? You know, then you miss out on that opportunity. So it, for me, I had to make it a priority and that meant scheduling it in terms of like doing it first thing in the morning so that nothing else could get in the way of that. And um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, what would happen if you had to say no to like a work networking opportunity or just um, a time to hang out um, and like go to bed early so that you could wake up at 4.45 to train? I do. I have done that a lot. And in some ways that can jeopardize friendships, especially at our age. Um, so it's just been kind of me balancing everything and trying to like, um, just, uh, find other ways to be a good friend to people without maybe like going out to the bar on a Friday night, or I pick one weekend night, like I'll, maybe I'll take off Saturday, but then Sunday I run. So I just, I have to balance like those priorities again, and then set healthy boundaries so that and I'm not dying by getting you know, <laughs> two hours of sleep or something. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. all about priorities and setting priorities. And so I think what's interesting is when, when someone's like, I want to say like past 25, like, or like closer to 30 and has been out of school for a little bit, it's really easy to say, okay, like maybe I live alone or I live with people who share similar priorities. Um, it's easy for me to tell my friends that, um, you know, I have this schedule and going out right now does not work for me. Um, but I was wondering if, and this is for anyone who is listening right now, who's taking notes or um, will listen to this later as they're working to take notes. Could you um, 
could we do like a little conversation where I'm like, hey, Kate, um, do you want to come out to the bar tonight? And then could you help anyone listening right now who is um, either a freshman or a sophomore or just in like um, in undergrad or even in high school? Because um, I have a couple of high school viewers right now. Um, help them phrase um, I'm not going to hang out or I'm not going to go on that Zoom because we're in COVID or um, could you help could you help me phrase that? So if I'm like, hey, Kate, um, can you hang out with me 8 to 8 p.m. to 11 p.m.? I haven't seen you in ages and I would love to do a, um, a Zoom game party. <laughs> Yeah, so I would say like, yeah, hey, I'd, I really miss you. I'd love to hang out. Um, how about I pop on for like an hour or two? <clears throat> because um, like, you're a great friend to me and I want to make you a priority. But I also have um, this other uh, goal that I have in the future. And if I don't work towards it, like I feel like I won't be prepared. So um, like, just hopefully that they would be understanding that you want to make them a priority, but you have this other goal that you're trying to accomplish. And um, like, hey, I got to get up early and I'll still come and like have fun for a couple hours, but I got to go do this thing in the morning. So how about we kind of compromise and then maybe we could like grab a coffee after I'm done with my run later in the morning or something. No, something. I love that. Yeah. And they're probably going to say, well, actually, I don't wake up. <laughs> even at 7 a.m. So I think I'm going to have to skip coffee. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I think that was really helpful because I know I personally really struggled um, with setting boundaries and prioritizing myself when it came to these goals. I think um, a couple of years ago, it was hard for me to to speak to these goals. It was hard for me to say, um, oh, like to say something like, oh, I actually want to qualify for Boston because I felt like the response would be, oh, who do you think you are to think that you can qualify for Boston, right? It, like, and that is so absurd. Um, and I thought that about myself <laughs> though. I, when I first said it, I said it like I joined a new running club and I remember introducing myself and they wanted to know what one of my goals was. And I said, uh, I hope to maybe, uh, hopefully qualify for the Boston Marathon this year. And I felt like such a fraud saying that because I was like, who do I think I am that I could qualify for Boston? And I did it that year. And yeah. And it's not, it's not about like imposter syndrome. It's just about like, um, being unsure of like trusting, like, certain people around you who don't think like even in the running club if, if someone else doesn't think that they can qualify and you really in your heart believe that you can it's almost like you don't want you don't want any like negative energy <laughs> surrounding that so um this was really helpful and I can kind of um take what you shared and make it a little quote so that people have it so that they can um kind of have something to look to if they're trying to prioritize themselves, but then also um, let their friend hang out plans um, down a little bit easy. <laughs> well, um, it, you, you're, you have to look after yourself too, because you can't treat yourself worse than you would like a friend. Like you, I, I remember like hearing once about somebody talking badly about themselves to their hairdresser or something. And their hairdresser said, I want you to stop talking badly about my friend. It's like, the way you talk about yourself is so important and um, you shouldn't treat yourself any less than you would your best friend.
Absolutely. Um, okay, so my next question is, when it comes to endurance training specifically, um, can you tell me a little bit about what you've learned from it and how that has spilled into other areas of your life? Yeah, so um, one of the biggest things I've learned is that um, the big things and the difficult things and the things worth having in life don't come overnight. They take a lot of patience, preparation, um, dedication, and discipline. And um, you just really have to, you, you have to put in the work. There's no way around it. It might kind of suck. And it's okay to acknowledge that things suck. And it's okay to embrace it. And um, I think there's a lot to be said about having the ability to embrace difficult things. Um, and honestly, like everything I do in my life, well, not probably everything, but uh, I try to really um, tackle challenges, things that are difficult and that I perceive as difficult because I think that is the best way to truly grow and to make sure that you're still growing. Um, I think the worst thing that you can do for yourself is become complacent and just um, kind of floating around in life, not really having a plan for where you, you don't always have to have a plan for where you're going to end up. But I think it's important to kind of have an idea, like a vague image in your mind of like the winding road and maybe one little next step. And it's okay yeah. if you lose track of that, but you should try to get back on the trail at some point and, um, and embrace the suck. <laughs> yeah, I, um, as part of this coaching program uh, that I do, something that they say is you don't, you just need the direction, sorry, you just need the destination in the GPS. Don't worry about the directions. Like don't worry about those specific steps because those might look different for you but just put the destination in so that you know you know what you're looking at like the gps knows where to go <laughs> don't worry about what those steps are and i love that um because you can take detours <laughs> exactly yeah and so if because if you focus on the directions then you're acutely aware of the detours like even when you think of like when you're driving you just get like really annoyed or irritated if the GPS does something different from what you thought but and so like yeah embrace the suck embrace the detours um let the GPS like do its thing just like really focus on what the desk what you want the destination to be yeah. um because oftentimes that's like something you can see unless it's like something that hasn't been invented yet or created yet in the world um and you're trying to go after that which is really cool um yeah. <laughs> okay so um I would love to kind of, and I hinted at this with the question before, but I know you applied um, to, you, you applied to the NASA astronaut program and you went through that process. And a lot of that, again, is like um, speaking your dreams out loud and, and knowing that you have permission to say them out loud. And it's also a longer winded process because, um, you know, it's like super selective and you might not hear back for a while, but you just keep trying. And even if you um, don't get selected, you just apply again. And like mm -hmm. astronauts have done that. Um, and so I just have the phrase, becoming an astronaut, a marathon, not a sprint written here. Um, and so I kind of wanted to first um, hear you speak to some of the tools that you used to plan out your um astronaut ambitions what are the things that you're doing now to get and keep an edge 
Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, let's see. <clears throat> so I've known that I wanted to be an astronaut since about when they asked you what you want to be when you grow up in second grade. <laughs> um, and I will be honest, like I let people try to convince me that it wasn't possible. So I grew up, and like I said, what age you were at? Like, when did you start hearing that it wasn't possible? Like, when was that? When was the first time you vocalized it? And when was the first time someone said, are you sure? <laughs> so I think it was second grade when I and I talk about it all the time, like, oh, I stood in the driveway with my dad. And I looked up at the night sky. And like, I was just so fascinated by the how the vastness of the, of the universe and like the human curiosity that it requires to kind of chase the unknown but um the point in which i remember okay so i we had this thing where i i vocalized that i wanted to be an astronaut and then i remember like talking endlessly about it like i never stopped talking about it but then i remember in high school especially like um physics class i think it was where like it wasn't professor or I mean teachers, it was students that were like, NASA shut down, like you'll never work at NASA and like all this stuff. And all I could talk about was how I wanted to work at NASA. <laughs> That's so crazy. And I think about this all the time where if someone else um, doesn't believe that they can have the dream that you want, um, sometimes their reaction to it because of the discomfort of the largeness of your dream is, oh, I'm gonna shut that shit down. <laughs> I can't have it. I don't want you to think you can have it either because you thinking you can have it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so I remember like, I didn't even go, I didn't even think to go on the internet and like, cause the whole thing was that the space shuttle program was gonna come <laughs> yeah. to close. But for some reason I was just like, oh, I guess NASA shut down. But like also at the same time, I didn't believe it at all. I just like let it kind of roll off my back. And I was like, so when it came time to go to college, I was like, I don't know, like, what do you, I want to work in Mission Control. What do those people do? So, or have degrees in. So I Googled, like, um, I Googled, what do they have degrees in? And they were all engineers. And I was like, I don't know what engineers do, but I guess I want to be one. <laughs> so I applied to engineering programs just solely because um, the idea of working for NASA, I wanted that. And I wasn't going to let anyone stop me, whether or not they claimed it was shut down. I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to be an engineer. And it's just crazy to me. Like, it makes me just like, it makes me ugh, like crazy because the, the ease at which it fell into place for me in college, not ease. Cause I told you, like I applied 15 to 15 different internships, but the fact that like it happened so early on for me just like makes me realize that like, you just have to let those people just push them to the side because now I have people messaging me from high school who are like, you've been talking about working for NASA your whole life. Like, it's so amazing that you've done it. And they weren't like necessarily. <laughs> oh, remember when you told me, remember when you told me that NASA was shut down? <laughs> I'm like, and the people, I mean, they're not like necessarily the haters, but um, it's just cool to show people that like, you know, your perception of the world isn't necessarily the way that it is. And um and, uh, and then I remember talking about like in on my internship on the Hill, um, one of the staffers asked me what I wanted to be like, what I ultimately my goal was. And I said, well, I want to be an astronaut. And I kind of chuckled. And he was like, why? Why would you like, giggle about that? Like, or laugh about that? Like, that's a very real possibility. Like you could be an astronaut one day. And I like, will never forget that moment. Because I realized like, I will never again, like, 
discredit myself by laughing about my big dream because the fact that I even got to NASA and all that so early on is like mind boggling to me. So I just think it's important to really believe in yourself and, um, and not discredit yourself because you know, you never know what could happen. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because some of the resistance that often comes up when we're chasing these things is often like internal, like we create our own mental blockage. We dismiss our own selves before we get to like program the things into the GPS to tell it where to go. It's almost like if we're following the same analogy, like we're in the car and we're making all the wrong turns That's because perfect. we just don't want to get to the final destination. It's like if you're going to like a family member's house that you like don't want to go to because it like scares you, but like that family member is going to like unlock everything for you. I don't know. <laughs> Defense mechanism, I think. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't want to fail, but I'm just going to like force myself to fail. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so I, if you have the book by astronaut Scott Kelly with you, um, perfect. You have it with you. Okay. <laughs> I'll put my shelf. <laughs> I wanted to kind of talk about what you, what you thought of it. And it's interesting because not only do you have a job where you're training, like you're working on the things that train astronauts, but then you're also training to be one, which means that um, this book almost acts as like a tool or a handbook. And there's so many handbooks um, of sorts written by astronauts, but um, I know you have this up on your little bookshelf. And I was curious if you could share um, just what you've personally taken away from it and any specific quotes that you love again i'm envisioning someone listening to this in the future with it like on their screen or while they're like on a walk somewhere um if you could kind of tell me yeah what you loved most what you took away yeah so i was it was funny because i took it down after having it up on the shelf for a while and i have this bookmark in here and so i opened it up and i was like i wonder what i thought was so great about this one page and it was about how he talked about how when he was a kid, he had this reoccurring daydream of being confined to a small space. And I love that. And it gives me goosebumps because. Me too. I literally, yeah, I have like full body. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that he said um, that he, he had this dream of being in a confined space and and he said something about that small space, the sense that I was doing something challenging just by living there was appealing to me. I felt I was where I belonged. And like, that's what I was talking about at the very beginning of this is like, doing the challenging things, like I full heartedly embrace that. And like, it makes me feel so good to do the challenging things because I know that at the end of the day, I did something worthwhile that day, whether it was like something small just for myself or something bigger, but, that and then and then he talks about like how um and then he goes on to talk about like um the the dream and then about his parents taking him down to watch the um the moon landing the men walking on the moon for the first time and he says um he was a reckless child like doing all these um he always wanted to do something like crazy and daredevilly and he said if you were doing something safe something you already knew could be done you were wasting time and and I just love that. And the, anyway, the whole book is just great. And he talks about kind of like how I said, there's something to be said about embracing difficulty, because he talks all the time in the book about how it sucked. I mean, it doesn't, it's not fun to go be trapped, trapped in a, you know, it's the space station's like the size of a six bedroom house or whatever they say. But there's a 
that's not after a year of being trapped in your house, just like with COVID, it's not fun. <laughs> like it is mentally challenging. And, um, but he embraced it and he embraced the challenge and, you know, he's better for it and we're all better for it because we learned so much from the science that we got. So, and that we're still getting. Absolutely love that. Um, okay. So let me see. Um, I think I have two more questions uh, for you just about becoming an astronaut, which is how do you maintain your patience when so much feels rooted in that one goal and in what ways has running helped in cultivating patience? Mm. The way that running has cultivated patience is that um, you never know if you're going to have a good run. <laughs> so much of running is out of your control. Like uh, it's all up to your body really and the weather and what you ate. And if you got enough sleep and like you could have the best running day of your life on the last training run before a marathon. And then you could go and have a marathon where you totally flop. You can't even finish the race. You get hurt or whatever. And you have to have patience with yourself and pick yourself back up or you'll never run another race. And it's the same thing in life. If you fall down or something doesn't go your way, you have to have the patience to, with yourself and, and the world to pick yourself back up and keep moving forward. And the astronaut goal for me, um, I've come to learn that you can't um, hang your hopes on one single goal, especially one that is so few people become astronauts. And like, if I never become one, I am so happy with the trajectory of my life so far that, um, yeah, there will be disappointment, but I will be fulfilled in other ways. And, um, you know, I won't feel like I, my life was for nothing, you know? And so anyway, patience in life, uh, in running and everything. <laughs> I love that. Um, and so I think one of the questions that I had pertaining to running again and just wrapping this whole thing up is specific things that you use that make your running journey smoother, um, better, like any, any tools you use. Um, I know you like post about your Fitbit or protein pancakes that you have after, but anything that you kind of want to plug in. I can't live without my running watch. I think like, I don't know how people used to run because it's so funny. We'll go to the track or go run a run and we'll be like, this morning, I was like done with my warm up, and I accidentally stopped my watch and like saved it. Or like once I, I was once on like a 15 mile run and I like took a break and I, um, <laughs> I deleted the whole thing on my watch and I was like, no, and you act like it's the end of the world. But I'm like, how did people ever live without these? Like, <laughs> and you didn't you know, know what your pace was. You had to like time it on you know, like this old school watch, but I love my Garmin watch. Um, and it's nice because you don't have to have your phone with you because it has GPS. Um, what else do I use? Um, I don't know. Like I used to run half marathons without water. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> so now I have like this like awesome water bottle thing that I can carry like on hot summer days or like a camelback. But yeah, just like the, the things that um, make running easier. Uh <laughs> But yeah, and I can honestly, uh, kind of compile that later. Um, as I shared, I could like, yeah, write to you and get that later. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the last thing was really inspired by um, a post that you shared on personal versus professional success. And um, 
my phrase here is finding and keeping love a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and yeah, I think all my notes say running marathons, a literal <laughs> marathon, not a sprint, becoming an astronaut, a marathon, not a sprint, finding and keeping love a marathon, not a sprint. And I love how we, um, we took a left turn and now we're like taking a sharp left going in a totally different direction. Um, but I feel like it's pulling on those, those same values. Um, and so I was wondering if you could kind of speak to that post a little bit, uh, emphasizing how accomplishing some personal goals can feel more like a marathon. Um, and I particularly love the quote, you will have it all when the time is right. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so um, because our society places so much pressure, especially on women, to have this timeline of when we get married, meet somebody, get married, and have kids, I put so much pressure on myself growing up, and even I still do it now. Um, I see everybody getting engaged and, and so happy and like moving on with their lives in that capacity, and I get so frustrated with myself, and I'm like, People tell me I have all this stuff, but I feel like I don't have anyone to share it with or, um, uh, you know, just like placing so much pressure on that aspect. And um, I've really learned, uh, I think a lot of it comes with just being more comfortable, being alone and being with myself. But um, yeah, I just, I, 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 I tried to tune out that like this timeline that somebody else has put on my life. And I just tell myself, like, you know, it'll happen when it's meant to happen. And, you know, I'm not defined by uh, my relationship with someone else um, who I don't even know. Because <laughs> I don't know who my future husband will be. But, like, you know, like, somebody else doesn't make me complete right now. And that's cool. Like, I should be happy with who I am first. And um, so, yeah, it's a marathon. Like, I, I'm still waiting for my Prince Charming to come along. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, and I love how all of this kind of ties back into patients, like patients for running, patients in filling out the astronaut application and doing all the things that like give you an edge. Um, and then also, yeah, just patients in finding that person. And I loved all your responses. Um, I have two last questions for you. So um, the first one is, could you tell me a little bit about your morning or night routine and what helps you bounce back when you fall off track? Yeah, um, my morning routine is always, I'm very much a regimented person, I guess I've come to know. Um, like I wake up, I have to brush my teeth before I do anything and I wash my face and then I go work out and you know, whatever. And the same thing at night, like I have to wash my face and brush my teeth. I have this very much routine where it's kind of like, 20 or 30 minutes where I'm just like not really thinking but I'm just spending time alone and I think it's really important um and to say I don't know if I really fall off I fall off maybe like working out a couple like especially with this Texas crazy weather and then like being quarantined and like all that um so when I need to like refocus I usually weirdly I have to like start on a Monday usually <laughs> but I was like okay next Monday I'm gonna start doing this again and like you don't have to like start big again. You can just like, okay, I'm going to go run a few miles or I'm going to journal today, which I have not been good about this year. Like I said, I would, but um, yeah, just like kind of just telling yourself, like making a commitment to yourself and sticking to it. Um, just like one little step at a time. And I, 
I never shared that I was going to ask you this, but I still will because I feel like um, it could it could be applicable here. But like I shared, you interact with astronauts at NASA Space Center and people, other people who train them. Um, what are their morning routines like? And do you feel like they make time for themselves? And what is the value in that? Ooh. I don't know that I know like any astronauts personally enough to know what their morning routine is, but um, I think that a lot of astronauts are very like, I don't want to say regimented. I think they do things with purpose. Probably um, there's a reason they got to, they've been so successful. Um, and I always think about that YouTube video of the um, Naval officer who talks about the importance of fixing your bed in the morning, which I do by the yes, way, every morning. I love when I that. Up, yes. Yeah. yeah. Even when I wake so, up. So, um, for anyone that like doesn't know about that video, can you speak to that very briefly? Yeah. So even um, even when I wake up at four in the morning, I fix my bed. So um, yeah, he talks about how um, they're like people who fix their beds um, are often successful, and it's because at the end of the day, no matter how much you failed or how little you accomplished, you get home and you go to your bed to get into bed and you see that it's fixed and you say, okay, well, I accomplished something today. It's like, um, yeah, no matter what your day has, you've done something, uh, maybe not worthwhile, but you, you've done something um, with purpose and, and yeah, that's the gist of it, I guess. It's a really great, compelling video. <laughs> no, I love that. And my question was, um, oh, okay. So my last, last question. So um, my last question is, what does wellness mean to you? Ooh. Um, wellness, I think, I think of personal wellness of like taking care of yourself and, um, setting healthy boundaries and, um, and, and making yourself a priority. I think like, even when you have a partner, um, you need to prioritize, you know, you're prioritizing two people, but you always also need to think about prioritizing yourself because, um, if you're unhappy, anybody around you is going to be a little bit more unhappy like no matter what like your mood affects everyone else around you and so wellness to me is like looking after yourself and then as a result you're able to like spread that to other people and why do you think that practicing wellness um can help you ultimately become an astronaut no guarantees but why do you think it gets you a little bit closer um i guess just the 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 patience, the discipline, and the dedication it requires to, to um, consistently work on yourself um, kind of goes along with the, what we talked about, the endurance of space flight and like um, being dedicated and disciplined to like those hard things and that goal. Um, that's, that's what I would say. I love that. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I was like, I really hope like everyone in the audience gets it. I really hope that everyone listening gets why we're talking about this. Um, those are really all my questions, Kate. It was just so nice to talk to you. And um, I'm like reading all the comments. Um, people just have the nicest things to share. So thank you so much for your time this morning. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to everyone who tuned in and who watches this later. It was so fun to talk about this. So, And I will be posting this on my IGTV so you can share it later um, on your page and anyone else can, you know, kind of listen to this later as well. All right. Sounds great. Thank you so right. much. I'll be ending the live now. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to the Leadership Equity and Wellness Pod with Ricky Roy. You can find me at Ricky Roy on Instagram and Ricky underscore Roy at TikTok. And learn more about me at RickyRoy.com.